Welcome to Trending Health, where we provide you with valuable insights and perspectives on the evolving healthcare industry. Brought to you by Dynamic, Trending Health explores industry topics that are real, relevant, and worth discussing. I'm your host, Jen Burke. The role of medical affairs functions within life sciences organizations continues to expand, increasing its focus on patient centricity and requiring the development of new capabilities, partnerships, and cross-functional collaboration. I'm here today with Dynamics Tamarin Bertelli and Nick Fletcher to discuss these trends and how medical affairs organizations can optimize their ways of working. Welcome, Tamarin and Nick. It's great to have you both with us here today. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us on, Jen. Could you start by telling our listeners just a little bit about yourselves and your experience partnering with medical affairs teams? Certainly. I'm Tamron Bertelli. I'm a senior director with Dynamic based out of Philadelphia. Over my 12 years in consulting, I've served public health agencies, healthcare providers, and life sciences companies with a focus on medical affairs strategy. I currently serve as the co-lead of Dynamics Medical Affairs subcommittee within our life sciences practice. And I've come to truly appreciate the multidisciplinary collaboration you get when working with medical affairs teams and the opportunity to work so closely with R&D, marketing, commercial teams in order to bridge the gap between research and patient care. And I'm a director based out of Dynamics London office. So over the course of the last nine years that I've had in consulting, I've actually worked across industry in the very beginning, but then thankfully found my way into life sciences during the second half of that nine years. And most of my experience during that time has been in medical affairs. I also have the pleasure of being the other co-lead alongside Tamron um, for the medical affairs subcommunity at Dynamic. And generally in terms of medical affairs for me, my draw has been the increasingly important and strategic role that the function plays for life sciences companies by really making that link between the cutting edge science and commercialization activity. And also for me, which is incredibly important, the tangible impact that medical affairs can have on patient health and quality of life. I certainly feel excited after hearing both of your intros to really dive into this topic. Nick, you talked a little bit about the increasingly strategic focus of medical affairs as being one of the areas that you find most engaging, most exciting, interesting right now. I'm wondering if we can double click a little bit into that and talk about this shift that we're seeing within the medical affairs community. Yeah, absolutely. This shift has been happening over the course of the last decade or so in particular. But whereas traditional medical affairs was sometimes seen as a you know support function, now these teams are really becoming incredibly influential and valued as credible partners. So that's both within the pharmaceutical organization itself, but also externally. So we're seeing medical affairs engage and partner with a growing set of external stakeholders for that closer medical and scientific partnership, specifically when we're thinking about how we drive better outcomes for patients. We're seeing that medical affairs teams are now pivotal in being able to capture HCP and patient feedback, turning this feedback into actionable, valuable insights and driving that internal focus on the patient need and the patient outcome. So like in other industries, we're really seeing a growing emphasis on a customer-centric, or in pharma's case, a patient-centric approach by medical affairs teams. There's a critical need to understand patient needs, preferences, and experiences in order to develop the effective treatments 
and design care pathways, both driving improved patient outcomes when we think about those critical activities. And a fundamental factor in being able to do this is having the right data and insights. There's this increasing level of importance in medical affairs, being able to harness real world data, real world evidence to inform strategic decision making. And we're seeing medical affairs teams spending more effort, more investment in order to actively generate, analyze and disseminate this data and the resulting insights that can be leveraged. There's increased and more meaningful interactions with HCPs with this helping MA teams to establish a 360 degree view of the patient. And this includes more interactions via digital channels, which enables a medical affairs team to meet the customer where they are and in ways that they want to be engaged. Interactions via these channels also allow medical affairs teams to harness various types of engagement data to further help them understand their customers and act accordingly. In fact, one of the main themes of this year's 2023 Medical Affairs Professional Society MAPS Global Meeting in Nashville was on how to maximize the positive impact that medical affairs makes on patients and in care with a specific focus, as you mentioned, on more effective patient and HCP engagement. And as medical affairs evolves as a key strategic leader, we've seen the expansion of the range of stakeholders that they need to engage with. You mentioned it, but beyond just internal teams, there's other external teams they are now interacting with to optimize overall access and the share of understanding of the value of a given therapy. So this includes payers, pharmacies, institutions, pathway developers, new organizations that they're also working towards with and alongside their commercial counterparts. So we've seen many Life science organizations take this kind of like one team approach or one account approach with medical, specifically field medical, commercial field reps, market access, collaborating much more closely than before and sharing kind of qualitative and quantitative information. For many medical affairs organizations, I think this has been a new and, and kind of challenging ways of working, right? How do you facilitate collaboration while remaining compliant? And how can we find synergies with each other and not get in each other's way? So that's been an interesting kind of journey to help medical affairs clients kind of grapple with. Moreover, at the same time, how do we also make sure that medical affairs teams up their game when it comes to business acumen as well? How can their scientific and more medical insights impact the decisions that affect market access and commercialization? And this shift in approach, I think, will help drive medical affairs teams to generate better insights that are aligned to business needs and perhaps change the way they tailor their medical strategies that ultimately better serves patients. You talked a little bit about the changes and the challenges perhaps in this new ways of working. And if I'm thinking about putting my consulting hat on for a minute with any change, we're really thinking about what needs to happen to support this change in terms of technology, in terms of process, in terms of people. Nick, when you look at the people component, right, as medical affairs teams are really growing within these strategic roles, what new skills, competencies, capabilities do you see as them really needing to develop in order to deliver value to the broader organization? Given the increasingly strategic and influential position of medical affairs, those teams will need to be equipped with new skills, new capabilities, 
and importantly, exhibit the right behaviors in order to help deliver the expected value, both internally and externally. So medical affairs teams will need to be more entrepreneurial, exhibit excellent business acumen, and this will help them to gain or understand the full strategic picture of the organization, what its goals and objectives are, who its customers are and what are their needs, and importantly, what the competitive landscape is saying, and, and then how do those organizations react accordingly. So this will help them to identify and execute on new opportunities to deliver value to the organization, to healthcare systems, HCPs, and obviously patients themselves. As we've heard from Tamron, right, their stakeholder remit will become increasingly broad, and this will require teams to adapt beyond traditional groups and engage and influence new types of stakeholders, both internally and externally. And we're seeing the emphasis on the need for new skills in medical affairs, not just within the pharma industry itself and the skills that they're building within their own organization, but in academia as well. So one example of this, King's College London have recently introduced an actual innovative master's degree in medical affairs. This course collaborates closely with the pharmaceutical industry to deliver that kind of unique education that readies students for successful careers in such a fast evolving and innovative market. So these are some of the things we're seeing both within the organizations themselves and how they're trying to attain new talent, develop new talent, but also outside in academia in preparing those people for a life in, in life sciences and all the new things that they need to be able to do to deliver value. Thinking about what Nick just said as well, you have these new expectations, you have these new skills that you're learning and you're building, but a perennial topic within medical affairs is how to measure the impact of the work that you're doing. And with the change in expectations, right, the change in being a strategic leader and having more business acumen while simultaneously keeping the science and medicine at the forefront, how would that also adjust the way that life sciences organizations measure their medical affairs effectiveness itself and KPIs for medical affairs? professionals, you know, are the kind of tried and true traditional medical affairs KPI still applicable? And that's something I like to think about because in my experience, right, the very traditional measurement of discrete activity, the number of abstracts, so publications that a unit develops, the number of person-to-person -person engagements, like, is that still relevant? And while useful, in my experience, at least, I've seen organizations shift to now rethinking and how do you best measure and communicate medical affairs value with more kind of strategic and holistic goals that are now in line with the kind of new role and the new goals that they're trying to achieve? Definitely, of course, centered around improving patient care and changing medical practice. And one thought would be, and this also came out of maths this year, was you know, expectations around new activities or specific actions may be replaced with broader tracking of real-time learning, for example. So instead of just, we had X amount of symposia, it's pre-post surveys of what do people learn from the symposia, really ascertaining perhaps more qualitative responses, but you know, tracking that in time, or me maybe measuring the impact on therapy placement and guidelines or formerly access. So different ways, I don't want to say calculating the same thing, but it's a more strategic, longer-term lens is something I think that organizations are really trying to shift towards. It's not going to be one or the other, but I think measuring impact is always going to be on the mind. And how does that adjust to with the evolving role of medical affairs? But again, none of this is instantaneous. Certainly with these kind of long-term, multi-year goals, it will require a mind shift, perhaps a cultural shift, when you're truly trying to track 
medical affairs longer term impact within the organization compared to other functions within an organization, but also overall within the strategy, you know, how did they exactly move the needle? I think that's something that medical affairs organizations will be grappling with for a bit. When I'm listening to you both talk about the changing role of the medical affairs organizations and the new expectations being placed on the individuals that comprise them, one area that emerges to me is maybe storytelling, right? Whether it is in how do they communicate most effectively to these new partners that they're not familiar with working with, whether it's communicating across their organization or even outside of their organization, the impact behind the metrics of what they are doing. It seems that now more than ever before, storytelling is really becoming an important skill set for these medical affairs organizations. What approach are we seeing these teams take to demonstrate the firsthand value for patient populations and most effectively communicate their scientific messaging? I think there's a definite need, as you said, for strong scientific storytelling and storytellers who are able to easily break down complex information and explain it back to different groups of people, be it medical affairs professionals to their colleagues, be it to HCPs or health system leaders or patients and their caregivers. But what underpins, right, strong storytelling, I believe, is is a clear and compelling story. And for medical affairs organizations, I think this kind of stems from their scientific communication platform, or SCP, or also known as scientific messaging platform, which is essentially the concise evidence-based narrative around a product and its value. And as medical affairs professionals are taking a more strategic seat at the table, I think SCP development and utilization is also changing alongside that to better support overall strategy as well. For example, we're seeing greater coordination across key stakeholders, ensuring that there is more trust and more understanding about how the scientific platform is developed. Traditionally, it's just medical affairs and clinical development, perhaps competitive intelligence, et cetera. But we're seeing that marketing perhaps and commercial and even corporate affairs are being brought in earlier. So everyone has a greater understanding of the bigger picture. And as such, are really bought in and are able to contribute very different perspectives in building a cohesive platform to be shared with different audiences in a tailored way. And certainly a scientific platform should not be static. It should evolve to changes in the therapeutic landscape, such as a new product or competitor data, or if guidelines get updated. And the fact that you're bringing in more voices, different stakeholders can help ensure that these updates are made in a timely way. And the story itself evolves and changes in a natural sequence. We spoke about metrics earlier, but I think also adjusting metrics when it comes to how life sciences organizations and medical affairs organizations can track utilization and the relevance of the scientific communications platform over time, I think is also key, right? Because that ensures that the story that they're telling, the story that they're building is relevant, also enables and better helps the content creation process and the viability of, or the understanding of the type of materials that are being made are useful to the right audiences. And naturally, right, anything that's more simple, that's more of a framework and more flexible and extensible, gives people confidence to actually use it. And right, and confidence means use, confidence means stronger stories, and confidence means ability for people to really understand and share the value of a particular therapy 
and benefits are particularly there, you're much more clear to the particular audience, which I think will help ultimately improve patient outcomes. Tamron couldn't agree more, especially around the area of, of storytelling. It's something that I've been working closely with with my clients recently. And I suppose the question for me is, yes, we need to build the ability to be compelling storytellers and be able to develop that really compelling and powerful scientific narrative. But how do we actually improve the way that we engage, whether that be internally across the pharma organization or externally in the, in the stakeholder landscape? Another key theme in the industry that we're seeing, right, and it won't come as a surprise, is the prevalence of digital transformation with technological advancements driving these transformations across the medical affairs organization. One specific capability that's tied to this is the need to establish omnichannel capability. And this has become a really key strategic priority for many pharmaceutical companies. These strategies look to create that seamless and integrated customer experience across multiple channels and touch points, creating that kind of meaningful and unified journey for customers and patients. However, there are challenges here. And what we're seeing is that there's often still an inconsistent message, understanding, definition about what this actually means in practice and how it's going to be achieved, how it's going to be operationalized. A lot of the time we are seeing a multi-channel approach instead, rather than omni-channel, which just won't deliver the same value. It won't deliver the same value to the end customer. It won't deliver the same value internally when we think about how we gather data and insights around those customers and how that informs decision-making. Larger pharma organizations often experience challenges relating to their somewhat kind of fragmented and siloed structures purely because of their size. When we talk about maintaining that consistent vision approach and team buy-in, that can become difficult. And having that aligned vision and buy-in across the organization is absolutely pivotal in, in being able to do this successfully. So what are the keys to success here that we've observed? Well, I think upfront, and I've just touched on this, you know, create a really compelling vision for the need based around better patient outcomes, and then rally people around it, get people bought in and excited. Ensure that there's strong advocacy from leaders and influential individuals in the business and create that network of people who are going to be advocates and drive that buy-in more broadly. Establish the right team who will support delivery with the right capabilities, the right skill sets and the right mindset to be successful. And I think most importantly, start small, like don't try and do everything at once. Start small, pilot, iterate, prove and communicate the value that's been delivered and then look to scale. It's that agile approach and making sure that you're learning from setbacks uh, along the way and building that into future design decisions. I think that agile mindset is so key. And that's definitely something I've seen outside of medical affairs organizations through my work with life science commercial teams as a critical mindset for teams to adopt, particularly when it comes to omni-channel, but when it comes to really any innovation even, or any change starting small, building momentum and progress is really key. And it reminds me that there's a lot to be learned here, right? From medical affairs organizations in terms of looking outside their typical purview and looking at what can they learn from other teams within their own organizations or looking more broadly across the industry at large. And a dynamic, we work across many of the functions at Life Sciences, across the healthcare sectors even. Cameron, what do you think that 
medical affairs organizations should know or can learn from other parts of the industry? We've seen a huge increase in the desire for more meaningful engagement across healthcare providers, patients, their caregivers, and others. Medical affairs organizations should really embrace that and take that opportunity head on because likely there will be a different means of how you engage. And I want them, and I feel that they are ready to be champions of this innovative approach and learn and see from their colleagues and other kind of industry examples of, hey, let's embrace these new engagement tools via social media or social engagement platforms or virtual reality. But either way, medical affairs organizations are ready to kind of take on this challenge. I'm excited to see what they can do, given already their important role within life sciences organizations and within the healthcare industry at large. And, you know, at Dynamic, we partnered with many medical affairs clients to address these increasingly complex tools and challenges and to help kind of lay the foundations. Okay, if you're not ready to kind of embrace these new tools, but how to get there. And for me, frankly, it's an exciting time to work in medical affairs as a result. So... I look forward to seeing how this evolves and how medical affairs teams evolve into you know, their key strategic role. It's such an exciting place to be in healthcare right now and will continue to be moving forward. I, I know we've covered a lot of ground here today, but for me, that just shows how pivotal the medical affairs function is and will continue to be moving forwards. In terms of what life sciences organizations need to consider moving forward to establish that really, truly world-class medical affairs function, one thing that keeps coming up in my mind throughout the work I've been involved with is, is their operating model. For me, this should be looked at through a really holistic lens to understand whether an organization's op model is fit for purpose and will help the organization to deliver on its strategic objectives and most importantly, obviously drive those improved patient outcomes. And a lot of the time, it seems as though some organizations tinker around the edges and that won't cut it a lot of the time. Leaders need to be really bold and consider the full scope of what a medical affairs operating model encompasses and make decisions on where there's an, a need for evolution. So this includes multiple facets such as technology, processes, culture, talent, governance, org structure, org design, all with the patient experience and outcomes in mind. That needs to be at the center of all design decisions. And another key topic we've talked about today is the need for an increased focus on patient centricity. I feel that's been the red thread throughout this entire conversation. And I think there's lessons that can be learned from other areas of healthcare, uh, such as within the private provider space, across emerging healthcare technology companies, such as telemedicine and digital health platforms, and also wellness and preventative medicine. But ultimately, it's about each organization individually being able to understand their customers, their patients, and then acting accordingly in their best interests. And one thing is for certain, as medical affairs teams are seeking the best ways to scale their patient-centric efforts, it should always be in partnership with patients rather than simply developing them for patients. So for me, that's involving them intimately when designing strategies, developing treatments and building those solutions. And this is something that we've seen prevalently and successfully outside of healthcare. Thank you both for taking the time to come on our podcast today and share your expertise with myself and our listeners. I'm really excited to see this strategic shift within medical affairs organizations and to partner with them as they're navigating these changes. 
For those listeners who are interested in learning more about the topics discussed today or Dynamics ongoing partnerships with medical affairs leaders, please be sure to check out the link in our show notes. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Trending Health. For links to resources discussed in the episode, to subscribe to the Trending Health podcast, and to explore if Dynamic can help your company manage ongoing healthcare industry change, visit trendinghealth.com. Tune into the next episode where we look forward to providing you with more insights on the healthcare industry.